Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We are so glad that you're here. I hope you've had a great week. Um, it's been a good week uh, around Augusta. And I know uh, some of you Georgia fans, uh, I've already heard y'all had a good weekend also too. Any college football fans here? Got a few of you. Yep. Yeah, South Carolina had a miracle yesterday, and so we praise the Lord for that. If we can do that, can you praise the Lord for the miracle at the game? I don't know if you can or not. But um, anyway, I like to start with something funny. I heard about this man. He came up to a Baptist pastor and said, Sir, my dog just died, and I want you to come over. I want you to come over to my house and do a funeral for my dog. And the pastor said, Nah. I, I, I don't believe I can do that. He said, well, he said, I was going to give $5,000 donation to the church. The pastor says, well, why didn't you tell me your dog was Baptist? <laughs> over the last several weeks, you've heard me say one phrase over and over, and it's this phrase, that we're born to be blessed and born to be a blessing to others, or born to be blessed and to be a blessing. And so over the next few minutes, I want to just talk to you about the blessings of God. You know, we hear the word blessing oftentimes. I hear it around our house a good bit, specifically when we sit down at the table. And somebody says, who's going to say the blessing, you know? And so what does that mean? Well, the word actually means the, the favor of the Lord. It is when God provides his protection and his goodness over us. To be blessed means to, to speak well of. It's, it's that encouraging word to bless someone. It's also a, a very powerful word. Because when God blesses someone or something, he takes what a person has and then he multiplies it. God touches it. He stretches it. He makes it sufficient. And so today we're going to open up uh, the pages of the Bible to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. And so Deuteronomy chapter 28, and this is going to provide us a foundation for uh, the talk today. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1, it says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and you carefully keep, you carefully keep all of his commands that I'm giving you today, then the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. Now, if you fully obey all that, God will set you above all the, the nations of the world. Now, often um, times in the news over the last several months, maybe the last couple of years, you've heard this phrase over and over. We're going to make America great again. Anybody ever heard that phrase? It's been popular. Um, and so let me just tell you how you do that. If you want to make America great again... Put God first. Put God first. Amen. Now, we look at this passage in Deuteronomy five times in this passage when it's talking about the blessings of God. You'll see these words. If you obey and carefully keep, 
If you obey and carefully keep these commands, then I will do this. You see, the promises of God and the the blessings of God are not necessarily automatic. They are conditional. And I believe every promise has a premise. I've heard that there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible where God says, if you'll do this, then I'm going to do this. Here's an example. If you confess your sins, I will forgive you of your sins. If you call upon me, I will save you. If you obey me, I will bless you. So we can write this one down. When you obey God, he blesses you. When you obey God, he blesses you. I think all of us can gather here today and say, yes, we want to bless the Lord. We want uh, to, to live a blessed life. We want his favor. Well, what does that look like? In Deuteronomy chapter 28, we continue. It says, you will experience all of these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and the flocks will be blessed. Now, you've noticed a continual theme here. He's speaking to um, his listeners, and they worked in farming. They were agriculturists. And so most of their world centered around that. And so that's why this language is tied to that. So your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Notice that wherever you go... And whatever you do, you'll be blessed. These verses simply say God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your family. He wants to bless the work of your hands. He wants to bless your career. Wherever you you go, whatever you do, you'll be blessed. So here's the point. A blessing is when God takes what you already have and multiplies it. A blessing is when God takes what you already have and multiplies it. We see an example of this in the New Testament where Jesus was feeding the 5,000, but it all started out with a problem that the people were hungry and all they had was two fish and five loaves of bread. The little boy had that. You could say it was the little boy's happy meal. And so Jesus took that two fish and five loaves of bread. Um, and what does the Bible say? The Bible says he blessed it. And when he blessed it, he gave it over to the disciples. They started handing it out. And from that little um, lunch, two fish, five loaves of bread, he fed uh, over 5,000 people. So we see, as an example, a blessing is when God takes what you already have and he multiplies it. I believe that God wants to multiply your life. God wants to take what you already have, and he wants to multiply it. Now, let me say this very practically. When we talk about the blessings of God, um, you've got to understand the blessings of God doesn't mean that you're going to have a life without difficulty. We live in a real world. We face real problems. And what the blessing and the favor of God is, is that as you go through the difficulties of this coming week, the challenges of this coming week, you are not going to face those challenges alone. 
But the blessings of God, the favor of God says God is going to go before you. God is going to be your rear guard that you don't have to look to the left. You don't have to look to the right, but just wholly follow him and you can get through this. Life is tough. And there are some of you that are going through very tough situations. And so when we talk about the blessings of God, we're not talking about this unrealistic Pollyanna type thing. But we're talking about the real favor of God that gives us strength to take one more step when we don't feel like we can do that. It gives us the ability to get up when we would rather stay in bed. It gives us the confidence that we can face the challenges and we can face the challenges knowing that God is with us. God is with us. When the enemy's coming against you, know that God is with you. We continue in this same chapter, chapter 28. Next verse, it says, The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. Any of you been attacked this week? This is a, a, a verse that gives you hope. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you, and they will attack you from one direction. They're going to come at you from one direction, but what's going to happen? But God's going to touch your life, and you'll see your enemies scatter uh, from you in seven different directions. If you, um, the Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord, your God, will bless you in the land he has given you. Here's the point. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. If we will obey his commands, God's blessings will cover us. He will establish us. He will pour out his favor on us. So, okay, all that sounds interesting. And you're saying, I'm all in. I need some blessing. Tell me my next step. Okay, that's me. I'm all in. I need the blessing of the Lord. Just tell me the next step. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk about five things that we can do to receive the blessings of God. Five things that we can do to receive the the blessings of God. Here's the first one. I want you to meet with him daily. You know, some people call this a quiet time. Um, Doesn't really matter what you call it. All I want you to do is just do it. Carve out time, whether it's five minutes, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's 15 minutes. But look at your day and carve out time to be with the Lord. And just say, God, is there anything that you want to say to me? Would you please speak to me? God, speak to me. And then you just tell him, God, this is what I'm concerned about. This is what I'm worried about. This is what's really got me bothered. And then just be quiet and just listen to him. And for some of you are like me, that the best time for this to happen is the very first thing in the morning. I like my first conversation uh, of each day to be with the Lord. And so that's just how I'm wired. Some of you are not wired that way. You're not morning people. Okay, you're not morning people. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't try to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning if you hate everybody at 5 o'clock in the morning. And so here's what I'm saying. The quiet time for you is just finding that best time. 
that best part of the day where you can have that time to connect with God, where you can uh, talk to him and that you can hear what he has to say. Oftentimes when I am in those moments, I, I pray this prayer, God, help me to get under what you have put over me in the Lord. Help me to get under. Help me to surrender. Help me to submit. Because I know that God has authority over me. And I want to get underneath his authority. So many times we get involved in things and we say, God bless this. God bless this. God bless this other. And that's how I prayed oftentimes until I read years and years ago, Henry Blackaby's book on experiencing God. And he planted the seed in my mind is, why don't you see what God is already blessing? And why don't you get underneath his blessing? Why don't you look around and say, God, what are you doing in this situation? What are you blessing here at work? And help me to get underneath what you are already doing. That changed the way I I approach life. God, what are you doing in this situation? How can I serve in this situation? And try to get underneath the blessings of the Lord. That's why I want to get under what he has put over me. He has put his blessing over me. How, How can I receive the blessing of God? First of all, I make it a point to meet with him daily. Secondly, I want to study and obey his word. I want to study and obey his word. Most of us could probably do a little bit better. I'm like that. I could do a little bit better at studying his word and and reading the Bible. And that's something that we need to be a focus. And we try to wave the banner for that here at the creek. And we encourage people to to develop a plan, some kind of a plan. Maybe it's a one-year Bible reading plan. You can go to StevensCreekChurch.com and you can click on the tab, one-year Bible reading. And uh, the verses will be right there. Some from the New Testament, some from the Old Testament. Some from Psalms and Proverbs. Maybe that's what you need to do. Others of you, um, that you'll, have, you'll develop other types of plans. Maybe you're in a book study. You just want to focus on the book of Proverbs. I talked to someone a few uh, weeks ago, um, and that's what they're doing. They're just reading the book of Proverbs. Talked to somebody in uh, first service, and that's what they were doing, just in Proverbs. I've been through seasons where that's what I've had to do, where I've had a lot of decisions that I needed to make. And I would just read Proverbs every day because I needed wisdom. I needed uh, insight. I needed help. And so I would go to that for wisdom. Here's the point. If we want to know God's will for our lives, get into the word. In Psalm chapter 1, the very first psalm uh, says this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked. He doesn't walk in step with the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way that sinners take. And he doesn't sit in the company of the mockers. But whose delight is in the what? The law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. He meditates on his law day and night. Notice that phrase, meditates on his law. Now, what does that mean? What does meditation mean? Now, most of us, we think meditation is, is that we sit down, cross our legs, put our hands out, and we put our mind in neutral. No, that's not meditation. What meditation means simply means to seriously think about something. To seriously think about it. And so maybe we want to meditate on a verse. 
we seriously think about that verse. What is that verse saying to me? What is that verse saying to the people that it was written to originally? What does that verse mean uh, in uh, our church? What does it mean in our community? Well, you know, and just you think about that one verse. So many times you allow the things of your past to kind of set a pattern for your future. And when I was a kid growing up in Sunday school, they used to have uh, this chart on the wall. And if you knew your memory verse, you got a gold star. This is like when I'm four and five years old. And so they'd say, if I could quote a memory verse, they'd put a gold star by my name. And I like that. I like that a lot. I like to see that gold star, and I like to win. I like to beat other people. It doesn't matter if it's Bible or football. I want to win. And I don't know if that's really spiritual of that. It's not real spiritual of that, okay? So here's the problem. Sometimes those childish behaviors come back up. So I will pick up a Bible and start reading it. And then I will think if I read so many chapters, then God is up there in heaven smiling and he's got my gold star over there and, and I made him happy. But that's not good. Because oftentimes I will read with this competitive nature just to see how many I can get done when God wants me just to focus on one verse. Just focus. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way that sinners take or doesn't sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law, the law of the Lord. I don't want to think seriously about that. I don't want to meditate on it. You see, there's a difference there. And so my point is, if we want the blessed life, we want to get under what he has put over us. We want to get under God's word. God's word is authority. And so we can get under that. And it's not as many chapters, I'm speaking to me, not to you, that I read. It's, am I receiving God's word in my life? And if I receive God's word in my life and make it a practice, then his blessings will follow. I said there's five things that I think you can do to receive the blessings of the Lord. We've talked about two so far. Here's the third one. And the third one's talking about your money. I believe we receive the blessings of God when we tithe my in, when I tithe my income. Now, we hear that word tithe, and, and we know, uh, you know, okay, I think that deals with money. Yes, it does. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Um, but really, what does that really mean? Uh, it means that you bring the first part of what you make. That first part, that first 10% goes back to God. In fact, the Bible uses these words. It says, bring the tithe, or it says, return the tithe. Now, that means that if I make $10, that I'll return to him $1. And in doing so, I'm saying thank you. Now, here's the, let's be real practical. Does God need your money? No, God doesn't need your money. But the reason this is important, because he wants what that money represents. That money represents you. That money represents your gifts and your talents and your hard work. Now, we know this, that who has given us our ability to, uh, to make uh, money is God. Deuteronomy uh, 8 and 18. Uh, know that the Lord has given you the ability to create wealth. And so we return to him by saying, thank you for giving me this ability to make this money. But he also understands that, that those things that we treasure, 
That's where our focus is going to be. And so where we put our money is, that's where our heart's going to be. And so if we invest our money in things above, in things that he is passionate about, he knows that, that our investment will take our heart and focus on that. In Malachi chapter 3 and 10, if you've been around church at all, uh, you've heard this verse over and over. It is the most popular verse in, uh, in church finances around. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there can be food in my house. Now, I heard about this pastor. He was asked to inform a member of the congregation who just happened to have a heart condition that he had just inherited $10 million. Family was worried. Man, if we tell him he just inherited $10 million, who knows what will happen? It will shock him. And so they were concerned, so they brought the pastor in. The pastor went in. He started making small talk. He said, you know, he said, he said what do you think you would do if you inherited $10 million? Just saying. He said, well, pastor, the first thing I'd do, I'd get half of it to the church. At that point, the pastor fell over dead. (laughs) He was the one that was shocked. So let's talk about this tithing thing, this, this bringing the tithe into the storehouse. Now, the tithing, it's based on a percentage. So I really don't talk a lot about tithing as much as... Uh, in this context, is a percentage giving plan because that's, in essence, what it is. God uses a percentage giving plan. And so why would God ask for a percentage? Very practical, four quick reasons. God asked for a percentage because it involves everyone. The percentage giving plan allows every participant to be a part of the ongoing vision of the local church. It promotes teamwork. By reducing the economic differences between believers because it works on a percentage basis. Just think about this, just for very practical. Just think about how much tension in a congregation it could be if you had a flat fee system. Now, some churches operate this way. The creek does not. Um, a flat fee system, which means that they look at the church's annual budget and then they send out um, apportionments that you, this is what you're responsible for. And they just send you the bill. Um, And a lot of things do that. But here's the problem with that. Because the problem with that is the individuals who are under-resourced, that's a great sacrifice. But the people who are abundantly blessed, that's not any kind of a sacrifice. It's just not fair. And God said, hey, we're not going to do a flat fee. We're going to do a percentage giving plan. Here's the reason. Because it all starts... It all, it evens the starting point. Everybody starts at the same place. In other words, you can be sitting on a row and you um, brought your uh, tithe in and it may be $10 this week. And you're sitting by somebody who gives $50 and you're sitting by somebody else who's giving uh, $200 and another person giving $500. And when God looks at it, it's all the same. It's all equal. You say, oh, it's not. Yes, it's all equal because everybody had the same starting place. Everybody is doing their part in proportion. In other words, we're in this together. Now, here's the third reason. It provides consistency. And Paul said it this way. Now, about the collection for God's people. I want you to do what I told the Galatians churches to do. On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. On the first day of every week, 
I think this is speaking about consistency. Now, in those days, I believe they probably uh, got paid every week. Some people still get paid every week. Some people get paid every other week. Some people get paid once a month. Some people get paid once a year. That's realistic there. Um, it says on the first day, what this is just simply saying is be consistent. Let it be consistent. Paul said you should, in his world, you should give every week. Uh, and, and what he's saying is there needs just to be a consistent flow of resources in the church so that there are not these wild financial swings that potentially lead to, to financial traumas in the life of a congregation. Here's the fourth reason I feel like the percentage giving plan is good. It eliminates the gimmicks. Too many churches, they use gimmicks to fund their ministry. They use gimmicks. Uh, and gimmicks are not God's plan for the church to be financed. Look, we are very practical people, right? We know that it takes money to do ministry, right? You can't look around here and say, ah, oh, um, you know, this, is, uh, this must be a, a project of the government. No, it's not a project of the government. Um, you look around here, it's, it's a project of, of us, the people. And so Jesus came to the temple one time, and they were using gimmicks to, to raise the money for the budget at the temple. You know what he did? He took a whip, and he ran all of them out, the money changers out of the temple. He said, no, we're not going to do it that way. Because it's an embarrassment. It is an embarrassment to people who are not of the faith when their church uses so many gimmicks to raise their budget. It is a constant energy drain for believers. Now, look, I grew up in a small church. And it was a church on the other side of the railroad track. It was a church in the Mill Village. It was a poor church. But I can't say that I I personally believe that if everybody in the church tied, there wouldn't be any financial issues. And uh, because that's God's system in that church, it just didn't happen that way. And so here's what had to happen for the preacher to get paid on Thursday. Oftentimes, the ladies of the church and even the pastor, they would make hot dogs and they would take it down to the textile mill on Thursday and they would sell hot dogs so they'd have enough money in the church's budget to pay the pastor. And so, um, and this went on, and some of you have seen this kind of stuff. And, and so I grew up in that, that world, uh, and then I started preaching revivals early on. And so you've got to understand, I was just, I started preaching when I was in high school, and by the time I was 20 years old, I'd preached in 20 states. Now, that sounds great and impressive. It's not, because it's not the stage that, of Stevens Creek that I was preaching. I was preaching in any little church that I could find, and I would go anywhere you know, to preach. And so I found myself preaching in a revival in the mountains of North Carolina and said that church was a small church and they were having uh, difficulty paying the pastor. Here's what they did. They paid, uh, they made chicken dinners on Thursday. I guess the meal got paid on Thursday or something. I'm not sure the Thursday deal, but they did chicken dinners on Thursday. And, and from the sale of that, that's how they raised the pastor's salary. Well, I'm preaching there uh, and I'm watching all of this, and they're all in on the, the chicken dinner deal. So roll the clock ahead. So I planted a church, this church, 1987. We started this church. We passed the plate. We received $369 that first day. That's it, $369. So everything you see on this property came from that initial seed gift. We didn't have government grants. We didn't have denominational support and so forth. That $369. 
Okay, roll the clock. We moved from that house to a hotel. We moved to the Old Petersburg Building. Old Petersburg Building needed a lot of work. So I don't have a lot of experience. It's the only church I've ever pastored, okay? And so, and so in my mind, we need money. What do we need to do? Chicken dinners. Chicken dinners. No joke. So got the guys in the church we uh, over on Old Petersburg Road. Uh, we got that uh, that barbecue grill going, and we started barbecuing chicken dinners. And we had a lot of faith. We had a lot of faith that people in Martinez didn't like KFC. They wanted us, and and so uh, we sold some chicken dinners. But at the end of the day, we had a lot of chicken dinners left. I'm talking about a lot. And so uh, they put them in the refrigerator the next day. I preached, and back in those days, had a center aisle, and I would say the benediction. Uh, I'd pray the benediction as I am walking back um, to the back of the church. So when I said amen, I was there to shake hands with everybody because I wanted to meet everybody in the church. I can't do that now. Um, But I did that, but instead of saying, uh, uh, shaking everybody's hand, I was saying, you want to buy a chicken dinner? You want to buy a chicken dinner? It's no joke. I had chicken dinners and I was selling those chicken dinners at the end of the service. And I'm telling you, the Lord convicted me of that. I said, no, that's not my plan for this church. At the bottom line, you've got to have courage to preach. And see, in those days, I was scared to talk about money. Folks, those days are over. I'm not scared at all. I talk about money all over. Seriously, they, uh, I'm that consultant that goes in now that I talk to other churches about money. Um, because I learned, you know, those things that you do at the top, you learned at the bottom. I, I learned the pain of that. And so um, I, had the, I said, God, I will have the courage to talk about money. I'll have the courage to do that. And I promise you, I'll never cheapen this church again by some type of gimmick. Here's the point. God didn't call us to sell chicken dinners or to have pancake suppers or to have car washes or to have bingo nights. God called us to bring the tithe into the storehouse. That's how God funds his work. God's percentage plan gives us, um, makes it possible for us to, handle the core vision of the church without being derailed by constant fundraising pleas and and schemes that cheapen the image of the church in the eyes of non-believers. Aren't you glad that when you come to Stevens Creek Church, you don't have to sit through a 20-minute appeal for an offering? I'm telling you, I have been there. In my home church, this is no joke. They would receive the offering. And on many times, the ushers go back and count the offering and then come back and said, we didn't get enough. We're going to pass the plate again. Okay, that's real life there. And uh, I've seen it done, pass the plate three different times. And so I, I get that. I understand that. Aren't you glad you don't have to sit through that? Aren't you glad that you don't get a bill in the mail saying this is what you owe to be a part of this church? Aren't you glad that there are not people knocking on your door, twisting your arm about this? Folks, that, all that's a common practice across America. And I think it ruins the atmosphere of the church. So why don't we do that? 
Why don't we do that? Because this church has done a good job in embracing the biblical, historically proven percentage giving plan that God instituted thousands of years ago. This church, you, my friends, are a generous people. You are a generous people. And you have consistently brought the tithe. You have consistently rolled up your sleeve and you've volunteered your time. You've consistently put yourself under those things that God has put over you in the Lord. And I believe that the the percentage giving plan is the only effective and God-honoring way to provision the church and the fulfillment of the mission. I've been on both sides. And I'm... We just need to stand on the Bible and just do what it says. God says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there's not enough room to to store it. God promises that. I know when I was a kid, they, they would tell me, you can't outgive God. And I, and I believe that's true. I believe that's true. So I said... Uh, There are five things to do to get underneath the blessings of God. Here's number four. We need to help others in need. Now, we spent the whole month of September talking about getting off your donkey, right? If you missed it, I want want you to go back and watch that online. God wants us to help the less fortunate. In Psalm chapter 41, it said, Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver this person who considers the poor. He will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive and he will be blessed on the earth. I believe that God is watching and seeing if we're willing to take care of the under-resourced. Why? Because God loves the poor. And that's why we at Stevens Creek, we've, we've made it a focus. Two years ago, we opened up the Augusta Dream Center. And we make it a, a, a priority to invest in the under-resourced of this community. So just very practically, since January 2018, you are a generous people, right? That's where the premise of this. You're a generous people. Since January 2018 till now, you have donated over 30,000 articles of clothing. Over 30,000 articles of clothing. There's a, a box right in the back where we collect it, and sometimes it's overflowing after one week. 30,000 articles of clothing. You have given away 53,000 pounds of food. You've given 53,000 pounds of food. Do you know that since January, you have served 12,314 people through the Dream Center? That you have volunteered hours, you've given of your time, uh, 4,722 volunteer hours served. We're a volunteer intensive organization. This number is important to us. This number is important. It's all of us working together. I believe that God has placed us here to be a light. And God has blessed us. We're born to be blessed and born to be a blessing to others. We are going to give back. And we see in Proverbs 22 that a generous man himself will be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. We're talking about five things that we can do to get under the blessings of the Lord. Here's number five, and we'll close with this. Number five, God is looking uh, for us to share 
the good news. He wants us to share the good news. We talk about it a lot. We said just maybe this week you're going to have a conversation with someone and you're going to share some hope. You're going to share the good news. God is looking for people who will share the good news of Christ. If you had a cure for cancer and you didn't do it, wouldn't that be criminal? If you had a cure for AIDS and you didn't share it, shouldn't you go to jail for that? Well, I have something more important than that. I know how people can have their sins forgiven, how they can discover purpose for their life, and how they can be confident that they'll have a home in heaven. Where else are you going to get that? And Jesus speaks very clearly. In Mark chapter 16, he said, I want you to go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. You see, our world needs Jesus. Our community needs needs Jesus. Our neighborhoods need Jesus. And we're here to share the good news. And here's a question that I struggle with. Maybe you struggle with. Is anybody going to heaven because of you? We have this responsibility to be kind to people, to share hope, And I think in doing so, we're setting ourselves up under the blessings of God that he has for us. Well, I want to close today by by talking about sharing the good news. God has called us here to share the good news. And from this church, through the years, we've, we've seen that message of hope spread throughout the region and beyond. And today we have an opportunity to, um, to see it take another step because today is uh, Will and Suzanne's last day at, at Stevens Creek. I'd ask them to come on around. Will and Suzanne Riddle joined our staff probably over seven years ago. And he came in and the worship uh, department eventually moved into student ministry. And uh, there's nobody that has a passion and a fervor more like Will and Suzanne. Suzanne, um, you're such a blessing to him. He would never be where he's at without you. I know that. And he knows that too because he said that. But this has been just that couple that has just provided leadership but has provided vision and has been willing in your student ministry to go places that we haven't been before to reach people that we haven't reached before. And you've set an example of that. And so we've been so proud. Well, a little over a year ago, Will came to me during 21 days of prayer and said, I just feel like God is prompting me to move to Denver and start a church. I said, okay, let's talk about it. And we talked about it and we talked about it and talked about it. And finally, last fall, I said, uh, we want to send you and uh, Suzanne just to Denver and just take a couple of days, drive around the city and see if God is speaking to you there. Says, God, is this me uh, or is this you? And so he did that last December. They drove to Denver. They flew to Denver, drove around the city and they came back and said, you know what? We still want to do this, but man, it doesn't feel right didn't feel right. Something's not right about this. I said, okay, no problem. And uh, he rolled up his sleeves and continued to work in our student ministry. I went to the Church of God uh, 
convention this past summer and got back uh, first week in August. Uh, on August the 7th, I got a phone call. It was from one of the bishops from the, um, out west, and he said, Hey, Marty. I said, Yeah. Uh, he said, You still got that youth pastor who wants to come to Denver? I said, Well, I don't know. I might. <laughs> and um, he said, Well, we've got an opportunity, and they've got 35 people meeting in a middle school um, in Thornton area of Denver. And, um, and they shared the vision. So I, I brought in Will and we shared the vision and, um, they said, okay, well, we'll at least go out there and see. And they went out a few weeks ago and said, yeah, they feel like this is God's prompting for their lives. Now, let me say this, starting a church is hard. 35 people setting up and tearing down in a middle school in Thornton, Colorado, in that area, that's difficult work. But he feels like this is the call of God for his life. And that um, this is the time is now. It wasn't last year, but the time is now. And so today we are uh, um, praying a prayer over them, believing the best for them to know that you have a home church that's rooting for you, that's praying for you, and hopefully will be supporting you uh, in their prayers and their finances. Um, The name of the church will be Gateway City Church. Uh, you won't see it online for another month or so, but it'll, trust me, you know, Will, it'll be all over. You're going to understand. Is he posting again? Yes, he is. <laughs> but uh, we want you to know that we're proud of you. And that. Um, I, I know this is a big step. And I know that you don't have. Uh, family members, and you don't have a lot of uh, networks in Colorado, that this is literally stepping into an uncharted place. And um, and so we pray, and we're going to pray for you in a few minutes, that God will go before you, that he will provide for you immeasurably more than you ask or even imagine. And that this congregation, that we're going to believe that God is going to do a great work. And when we're talking about sharing the good news, we believe this time next year you're going to come and give us a report about all the people that you've won and all the people that you've baptized and that we're going to believe that for you. So are you ready to pray? Father, in the name of Jesus. We lay hands on Will and we lay hands on Suzanne. And we say, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would anoint them to do this task that you've called them to do. God, give them favor in the city. Give them favor with the school district. God, give them favor with their neighbors and the house that they'll be living in. God, let this blessing be over them. God, bring them people. And God, let them be a place where the lost can be found and the broken can be healed. Anoint them. Jesus, as they get on the road tomorrow, tomorrow morning as they start this journey across several states, God, go before them and protect them. And we bless Gateway City Church in Denver And we ask, God, that you would cover them. And, Father, I pray for our church that as we send Will off, that you, Lord, would replace, God, the energy and the fervor that Will has given us 
And God, let this work be strong. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.